Welcome to the Mindset Czar Podcast. I'm your Mindset Coach, CJ Leedy. And do you have any bad habits or phobias that you've been trying to kick to the curb? Well, today we're breaking out my interview with Brian Green. We're going to go into how habits and phobias can be kicked through the use of hypnotherapy. I hope you enjoy. What process do you use for helping people to stop smoking? Which I think to many people would seem a very physical and physiological addiction. What is your approach to dealing with the mind and how that relates to their addictive nature? What the reality is addiction is primarily mental, not physical. Now, obviously, if you take narcotics, there's going to be a physical detox. And people focus on that because it's very concrete and easy to understand. But the mental condition that underlies it persists, which is why people relapse. In other words, they detox in a hospital or a jail or whatever, and they're separated from chemicals. But a year later, they start again, and they're worse off than ever. So when I'm dealing with smoking, what I have found is it's basically a conflict. Hypnotherapy is divided into two halves, which I call putting in the good stuff. That's suggestion therapy. You'll stop smoking today, smoke no more, and live smoke-free. You never take the first puff once too many, a thousand's not enough. They're kind of hypnotic incantations, if you like. Then the other part is looking for sources. And what I have discovered is the biggest conflict is usually the reason, usually as a teenager, that the person began. And the usual reason is wanting to fit in with their peer group, usually with the bad boys, but by fitting in, I get more friends and more self-esteem. And once with that is uncovered, what those reasons or other reasons are to work out a win-win solution where the person can commit to doing those things without smoking and get the teenage part of their mind on board with it. And then the conflict over smoking that manifests as a craving that people think is primarily physiological goes away and the person finds it much, much easier along with the suggestion therapy. And that's the way I work in general. I find sources and when I've resolved the source, the vacuum that's left, I then put in contrary suggestions. So it's like a double process, has double power. And sometimes I do it with formal scripts that I've already written, suggestion scripts. Sometimes I do it improvised on the wing, involving whatever elements we've uncovered. Real quick, on smoking specifically, I think it's an interesting topic because it's very concrete and very provable whether or not it worked, right? Did you stop smoking or didn't you? Would you say with your average client that you see, you know, obviously there's outliers both directions, but typically how long does it take? How many sessions are required? And is there any sort of long-term, you know, do you suggest that they come back a year or two later? You know, what's kind of a typical... Well, it depends on the level of the person's availability to change and trance, and two, the nature of their difficulty. Now, I have had some things, I call them a hole-in-one, like golf, where the person's come with quite an intense problem, but it's had very narrow source, and I've been able to uncover the source and take them through a healing process, and the entire thing has gone in one session. For instance, somebody came to me, they were having dissociative blackouts, without any drugs or anything. And this person was very available. So I asked them the first chance, quite casually, go back to the first time you made the decision to dissociate. And they went back, something like, say, I'm seven years old and I'm in the kitchen and my mother's yelling at me, whatever it was, I don't recall. And we resolved that on the level where it was formed. In other words, 
in the deeper mind, not in... Sometimes people will come out of trance and they don't even remember what's happened, but they get better because the problem was a, a glitch or a knot in their subconscious and I've undone the glitch and the knot and they get better. But they don't remember how they got there and they don't remember how they got better. But this person came out of it, no further dissociative blackouts. Not only would that take years and years and years in psychotherapy, if it could even be done. And then at the opposite end of the scale, I had one gentleman in trance, he said, about his childhood, there's an indestructible wall that extends to infinity in every direction, indestructible metal wall, and there's no door. Now, the meaning of that metaphor was very clear. He was not going to let me into anything on that level. And I could never do any more in trance than I could do waking. I saw him for many, many years, but he did state you ushered me into adulthood because he was very emotionally immature, but very socially functional employment-wise, though he improved by leaps and bounds as he worked with me over the years. So that's it, one session to 10 years. The average person is, you know, anywhere from two, three to five, six sessions. But because I, I engender long-term processes as well as focusing on the presenting difficulty, I have met people a year, a year and a half later in the supermarket or something, and the look in their eyes, the way they're standing, where their voice is coming from, and the information they give me, I can tell they have continued to improve in the year or two that they haven't seen me. And they often express great gratitude because they know that. So uh, once you get past like three or five, then there's about 10 or 15% that go like anywhere from six to 12. And then there's about 10% who have long-term difficulties because they have more illnesses, localized problem. In other words, their development has been so distorted or damaged and it keeps producing more difficulties before you can get down to the core. And, you know, and especially with recovery from addictions is a long-term partial process. People think you stop the alcohol and the drugs and you automatically get better. That is not the case. It sometimes takes people from two to five years before they're really kind of back to full normal. And that's with recovery. That's not just abstinence from the chemicals. So I do both. I help people get off of alcohol and drugs. I've been quite successful with some people. And I also get quite a lot of people, one this week, who come to me, they've stopped alcohol and drugs, sometimes on their own or sometimes in 12-step groups, but they're having a lot of psychological difficulties now and they need help to continue regaining their sanity. So as you can see, it's a very mixed bag. And yeah. I've had other people, you know, the hole in one, I've had the very fastest piece of therapy I ever did. My former mechanic, who I knew pretty well, was filling out my visa slip to pay for the invoice. And he said to me, you're a hypnotherapist, aren't you, Brian? I said, yeah. And he said, maybe you can help me. My guys go out and eat sushi every Friday night, and I want to go with them. But I, I can't eat a lot of the food. Now, I had worked with a guy with food phobias. So while he was filling out the slip, I asked him a few questions, like, what was the size of the food? What was the shape, the texture? And then I said to him, when you were a kid growing up, what was the food that you didn't like? And, you know, what was the size, the texture and the color and so on? And he was talking to me, filling out the slip. And all of a sudden, he looked up at me and his eyes kind of went up into his mind. And he said, oh, it's the same. So I called him up a week or so later because he said he was going to do a session. And I said, you know, what about this session? And he said, it's over. Oh, just making that connection between his present and his childhood dislike of certain colors, shapes, and textures of food had resolved the issue. And I did myself out of a session. But the fact was, it was like, I don't know, three, four, five minutes. 
But that's because I knew about how that was formed from working with this other guy. So the great thing for him, for me has been when you work inside people's minds, they tell you exactly how they've created the difficulty. So you keep accumulating knowledge about how difficulties are created. And then I've invented some procedures myself, or I use standard hypnosis procedures, change work, we call it, or I use a standard procedure that I have altered and updated or made more effective. So consequently, when people come to me and I start asking questions, I begin to form a picture of what they're doing on how it relates to their history and so forth. But you see, I do a lot of hip a lot of people do more hypnotic therapy where they just do suggestion work and symptom removal. In other words, they get people to stop smoking by suggestions that they'll stop smoking. The primary uh, difference is that you beginning of our sessions we will talk at length about a bunch of different topics, but in general what we're focusing on for that day's session. I mean, hypnotherapy versus hypnotic suggestions is that more of just going, hey, I want to stop smoking, and then they'll say, okay, lay down on the couch and let's start the hypnosis, versus talking through, okay, well, where did this come from and all that stuff first, that kind of Exactly, because what I have, I believed and I have had confirmed is that often symptom removal, it may last six months, but in that sense, it is temporary because the pattern reasserts itself or it reduces like I'm working with somebody who had lap band surgery, you know, for food, overeating. Yeah. Well, after that, they substituted alcohol and drugs. In other words, they switched their addiction from one thing to another thing because they didn't deal with the addictive process that had been building up inside them from childhood. So it either reasserts itself or it comes out in another way because you haven't relieved the tension caused by the deeper conflicts. If you remove the smoking, you know, maybe the smoking is a form of suppression or something that the person is using to deal with some other problem, right? So, you know, let's say you work through this, this smoking, how often is it then, you know, you shift to maybe what the underlying cause was. With smokers, I usually do that the first session. Sure, so that's more of where you start. And, and, and this is the difference. This is why people are confused. There's a, a concept in hypnosis called empty habits, meaning growing up, a person may have been a bit nervous, you know, social development, especially sociosexual development, you know, learning to date and all of that or relate to the opposite sex. And to quell anxiety, they start smoking. But as they go on and they develop more adult and mature, they don't need to do that anymore. But it has now become habitual. You see, addiction can include a habit, but a habit is not necessarily an addiction. So when they come to a hypnotist, for about 10 or 15%, just suggestion therapy will change the habit and some suggestions about increased self-esteem and less anxiety. And the but the people who have developed a dependency on having a crutch, that won't work or they will substitute something else. I had one person, they stopped smoking, but they were now chewing 10 or 15 of those nicotine candies a day, which is actually a much higher dose of nicotine. But at least it got rid of the habit of putting them in their mouth and, you know, that kind of habit part of it. But I worked with them and eventually, apparently, later on, they got off of the gummies, which they hadn't been able to do for a couple of years. In other words, they substituted the candy, the nicotine candies for cigarettes, but they were still numbing themselves. That was a sober person, so they had substituted the heavy nicotine for the alcohol and drugs because it doesn't, it's not so disruptive immediately. It's more long-term damage. 
So there's a difference between a habit and an addiction. For instance, some children will, say, bite their nails, and they develop a habit biting their nails, but then they develop into adults. They still bite their nails, but they don't need to anymore. And those kind of habits are accessible to hypnotic treatment quite rapidly, rapidly compared to anything else I know of. Whereas when your lifestyle has become, I'm a dependent person and I'm dependent on crutches, whether it's alcohol, cigarettes, food, sex, gambling, I take away one crutch. Now I'm a person who needs a crutch, so I'm going to find another one. So people imagine, well, Brian's going to tap me on the head and I'll go into trance and this problem that I've spent 20 years creating and maintaining is going and relying on, is going to disappear, you know, in one session. As I've said, occasionally it happens, but they're usually localized problems. Sometimes, especially with phobias, the person has been severely frightened by something. Fear of flying is quite common because Americans nowadays do so much flying. And often I'm able to remove a major trunk of it where it was set in, which was when they were in turbulence. And the airplane has that thing where it feels like it's dropping out of the sky for a couple of seconds. And that triggers off the phobia. And there may be other components, but when you deal with that and whatever you discover, often I can get rid of fear of flying in one session. So you're typically the result of one specific turbulence experience in a plane that caused them some sort of trauma. It can be located. It can be connected to other things like lack of control and feelings of feeling trapped because you're in a tube in the sky with no control and no escape. So there's a feeling of being trapped that may connect to other feelings of being trapped you know, from other areas. But sometimes the main component is a very negative turbulence experience. And it's the first thing I ask them, have you ever been in an airplane in turbulence, you know, bad turbulence? And every single time, I think, with fear of flying. And this is one of the odd things. One person went home and they sent me an email and they said, I went home and I thought about flying and I was disappointed because I still was frightened. But I woke up this morning and it's vanished. You see, because it takes a while for the deep inner circuit to readjust itself. But so where do you actually, typically go with with that? Let's say it was the result of a specific turbulence experience. What is it that you're able to resolve around Well, that? you go back, and as you're aware, in trance, people have a deeper experience of themselves. That's the kind of hypnotherapy I do. In other words, they feel the locked-in fear and the thoughts and the feelings and we reprocess them and release them. One method is to show the person that's so terrified in the airplane that's in their mind, in their memory circuits, to show them that they survived and how they've been in airplanes since and they're still okay. Because it's like that knowledge doesn't... They've discovered in physiology that we learn things get engraved in our mind when our emotions are high, especially for most people, mainly negative emotions like fear. So in other words, that terror that the person felt in those few moments where the airplane, you know, they didn't know what was going to happen next and they were trapped or completely powerless, that experience is engraved into the memory circuits, the chemical circuits in the brain. It doesn't exist anymore in current reality, but it still exists as a reality in their mind. So when you open that up and reprocess it, by various change methods, I've told you one or two of mine, then that pocket of stored fear is released and that is what is continually being re-triggered, creating the phobia. As I said, if it's a simple phobia, connected primarily to that, one session and it's over. 
sometimes even in one session I'll deal with some other trap feelings that it's connected to. But if it's connected to major other issues where the person felt trapped and powerless and so on, I may have to do one or two sessions on those too. I've removed the, like, the phobia was built into, and then it never comes back, even if they're in turbulence again, because you've removed the that generated the phobia on a secondary level. I know that's a bit technical. I don't know if that's... No, I under- like that answer a lot. I appreciate that. That connects a lot of the dots for me. Thanks for tuning in with Brian and I. Say, if you're interested in working with Brian, you can reach him at 323-851-7208, or you can reach him at his email, mindmagic123 at yahoo.com, 123 are numerals, or at his website, www.mindmagic123.com. Again, those are numerals. It's all down in the show notes as well. This is the Mind Says Our Podcast, and thanks for going MIA with Brian and I today.